Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, I'm happy to actually finally interview uh, Rebecca Chappell. Uh, I said that right, correct? Yes, you did. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, I don't know why I always overthink it, but that's just my nature. But um, we'll just go ahead and start with uh, your team name and, and where you're from. Sure. Uh, so I'm from Michigan. I play in the North Region, and I'm on Final Justice. Awesome. And as we were kind of talking about offline, I think that's the source of a lot of these Marvel versus like DC questions that just blew up the uh, the thread. Thank you, Sergio and, and Mark Hill and all you guys for that. But uh, I guess we'll get there. Um, yeah. So first off, thank you so much for kind of helping me understand the uh, the North. Um, last what I think we had four panel discussions together last year. Something like that. Yeah. yeah Three or four. It was quite a bit. I remember there was like this one time that's all we were doing, but it was really awesome uh, getting to know you that way. And I think this is uh, it's about time I actually get to know you some more. So let's just start with the uh, the first question. And that is, uh, what got you into dodgeball? So our high school um, growing up decided to have a fundraiser where you had a small entry fee, you made teams of six, and it was a foam tournament that. Um, the money went toward children's cancer research and you played it overnight in the school. It was like a big overnight tournament to model um, Penn State's Thon. And yeah, that was my first real exposure into the world. We won that two years in a row, realized we were pretty good and I got hooked. Nice. You said to model Penn State's uh, what? Thon. So Penn State has a 46-hour uh, dance where all the dancers stay standing and dancing for that time oh, okay. uh, in order to get pledges to raise money for pediatric cancer research. And in that 46 hours, they normally raise over $10 million. Jeez. Okay, I think I've seen like footage of that. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to date myself, but I remember seeing like black and white footage even of it, of, like maybe when <laughs> it first started and people are just, you know, on the verge of collapse, but they're still dancing. So, mm-hmm. did you just play nonstop dodgeball then, or did you get breaks for this, or? So it was still regular <clears throat> tournament style. It was you know like you had round robins, you'd have breaks, and then you went into elimination. And the winners of the student ones would then play the teachers at the pep rally. Nice. Uh, we ended up though our years. They ended up having it be the basketball winners played, not the dodgeball ones. So we never got to you know show ourselves off in front of the whole school. I see. You probably didn't want to decimate people anyway, beat them up. Oh, of course. Didn't want to show them up. And you said this is like a, they used foam at the time? Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, and was that your first, like, foray into dodgeball, or did you play as a kid growing up, or? I mean, there were definitely gym class ones, but I wasn't aware that dodgeball progressed into more of a, like, tournament competitive style. I was one of those people that growing up always thought it was just, you know, a gym class thing that you did. So yeah, that was my first real exposure into something. Gotcha. And um, what was that first experience like for you? I guess if we're counting that as like your first true experience of dodgeball where it's kind of organized and structured, um, what was what was about it that you liked so much? Um, I, I guess it was <clears throat> the competition. I mean, I grew up playing field hockey, soccer, and softball, and I loved the sport competition where you actually played somebody else and 
it was more so things could be more so dependent on how you played not versus as a team because in dodgeball you had that ability to take out an entire team when it was just you or you know suck and drop a catch in the very first round of it I don't know it was I liked the fact that it was a team and also individual sport at the same time yeah I know what you mean it's like one of the things I used to love plugging dodgeball to other people was like at any given time any one of you can be the star of that game like you may not be the hardest thrower the best catcher but and you'll, you'll see like people have their moments where they're bailing their team out because they took out an entire team by themselves by throwing or by catching but it seems like sometimes um i guess like the, not the talent but like the influence of the player shifts it could be anybody's game at any time plus you have that team aspect so definitely hear you there um and you said uh you played other sports too growing up like field hockey or what else did you do yeah, so I actually did uh, four sports. I played field hockey, soccer, softball, and I ran track and cross country. Gotcha. And would you say any one of those sports helped with dodgeball, or which one helped more than the other? Um, personally, for me, I would say field hockey, it, which is such an odd thing to say, but field hockey helped me immensely with my hand-eye coordination and my stamina for going into dodgeball. Um, I didn't realize, you know, on a court as small as it is, how much endurance you would go through to try and play. So I would definitely say field hockey was the big one for me. Gotcha. Do you play any other sports currently outside of dodgeball? Um, we'll do like competitive sand volleyball in the summer. Sometimes it all depends on how busy our schedules are and what the days they have the tournament availability gotcha so um so you're saying field hockey um is pretty much what you accredit to helping with dodgeball um and you seem like a pretty active person just kind of basing this off of um you know what i've seen of you and also from the dodgeball 51 group but is there anything in like in particular that you've been doing to get into shape um especially since you have elite coming up this weekend just a lot of lifting and cardio i've been going to the gym probably six days a week and four of those days i'll be doing some form of cardio whether it be running biking ellipticals or stair steppers um but we've also kind of created our own like circuit work um our team and i for dodgeball exercises and it's more of a cardio circuit so we'll go through that as well very cool and try not to dance around too much. Uh, this is kind of a quick segue question that popped up. But um, do you still play NCDA? I do. I was supposed to be done in the fall, but there ended up being a problem with one of my classes that they said I was good with. So long story short, I have to retake it. Oh, um, yeah. And so I'm here for another semester. They so might as well. Yeah, might as well, right? <laughs> gotcha. So, yeah, so I guess we can kind of go back then in that case. Um, what? So you went from this, uh, like this foam tournament to, uh, which is you know, charity based and for fun, more or less. But what, what drew you into the NCDA and like, how did you hear about that and how did that kind of enter your life? Honestly, um, they were talking about all the club sports they had at this college fair when I went to the Michigan State booth. And the woman had nonchalantly mentioned that dodgeball was a club sport for them and I thought you know oh my god like 
is it really that big? And she was like, yeah, he, it's actually one of the 25 officially recognized club sports. She's, and she was like, I couldn't tell you too much more about it, but you know, if it's officially recognized, it's got to be big enough. And so I looked into it and I found out the team was actually like a really legit thing. And during the big fall club sports event where the club sports have all the freshmen come out and um, basically try and recruit people, I found the table, I signed up, and I went to practice and just instantly loved it. Nice. When you said, uh, and this is more for people that may not be too familiar with NCDA, um, especially us here in the, in the Southwest who are, we just don't have it out here. When you say it legit, like, what do you mean by that? So, you know, like colleges, they'll have like intramural dodgeball leagues where it's like you kind of make a team with your friends from college and you play other kids from your college just for, you know, whatever. There's no real merit behind it. It's just kind of getting together, having a couple kids rep it and play back and forth. This is actually, you know, jerseys, equipment, traveling, uh, rankings, you know, like big intensity games, rosters. And it was a whole new world that I didn't even realize existed. Um, and for those of you, you know, that would be listening that are unfamiliar with the NCDA, like you said, a lot of the West Coast people, we currently have, if I remember, the last count is 55 active major universities across the country. And um, it goes from September to April. And in April, you have nationals. Um, which is essentially like elite nationals, only it, instead of a three-day tournament with different leagues, it's two full days of pinch. Gosh. <laughs> uh, which I imagine is your favorite, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. We'll go into that. Um, around what, what year was this when you, when you first started NCDA? Oh, man. Uh, 2013. 2013. Okay. Yep. It's been six years. Gotcha. Because I, I, I've known about NCDA since like 2006, I want to say seven, um, and I was just completely impressed with like, as you were saying, like the, the legitimacy of it where they had, a, they probably had like maybe 28 teams back then, but it's still a lot, especially back in the day when the NDL was like our only, our only thing. And um, just to see that just completely um, be wrapped around the Midwest was like, I was so jealous of you guys. Um, but I think that impressed me the most is I would I would see that like Fox Sports Network or I think like ESPN three would actually televise some of these games and it was just like a like you said it was it was like watching college football and um, I was always jealous of that and wanted to see that come out west and I'm hoping that with the more that the NCAA NCDA kind of gets involved with Elite we'll have more people wanting to bring that over um, our way and just see it expand because it's a great um, just a great way to grow the sport. But, um, oh yeah. Do you have an active role with them, like aside from from playing? Like, are you part of like any board, or do you work for them, or work with them, or? Um, I still work with them. <clears throat> I'll help our current president um, because I only thought I was going to be here for a semester. I didn't run for any um, board positions or any captain roles this year. Right. But uh, last year, I was actually their president and one of their assistant captains. Okay. Cool. And again, just on the off chance, people that might be listening aren't too familiar with NCAA. So can you kind of just explain, it's, it's, it's like a full court, um, how many people are on each team? Yeah, so um, it's it basically would be on the size of a basketball court. Um, it's 12 on 12, 
and predominantly out of 95% of the teams you'll see, you know, it's all male. Um, it's more so of like, it can be co-ed depending on the strength of the female players as well and their contributions to the team. Um, it's not played in match systems where it's best of. It is two 25-minute halves and to score point-based, it is completely eliminating the other team. If the clock winds down to end the half and there are still players remaining on both sides, um, there's no points awarded and the point is immediately ended. If you end in a tie, it goes down to six on six and that is played out. Uh, first team to eliminate the other team completely wins the match. Gotcha. So how many people do you have on your roster if 12 people are on the court? Uh, you can have up to 18 total. MSU currently, we're normally, if it's a closer tournament or a home tournament, we have uh, 18. If it's traveling, you know, it's kind of hard to get college guys out for a weekend um, on things like this. So we'll normally have like 16, 15, 16, yeah. Gotcha. And are, are there any like aside from like the the court dimensions the amount of people on the team and the format of the game are there any like real specific rules that vary from elite like I, I think I've heard dirty blocking is a thing is that still part of NCAA so or it is and it is not you can't <clears throat> block into yourself but you can block into somebody else okay so, um, and the other, uh, the other big thing with it is instead of, let's say it's a ricochet catch. So the ball bounces off you and I catch it elite. That's a straight up catch in NCDA. It's a team catch. So everybody's safe, but the team that made that catch still has a player come in. Oh, okay. So if their ball hit you, bounces off you, but he catches it. I'm out. No, I'm not out. You're you're not out. Um, ahead, you're still in. safe, but we get somebody in. Oh, and then uh, we operate, instead of on a burden clock, we operate on shot clocks for both sides to prevent stalling from either end. So um, you have essentially, if you have above five people, you have 15 seconds to throw a ball. If you have below five or below, you have 10 seconds. And you can't roll like how elite is. You can't roll a ball to the other side you have to throw it so that it was within a playable range when it lands or goes above the person's head, AKA they could make a dive if they wanted to, or a jump to catch it. It has to be like playable for lack of better words. Yes. I wonder, and Sergio, Serge Ferrari might correct me on this as being aired, but I wonder, I think that was the case really. I think they adopted that rule where you can't just be chucking balls back and forth. Like, you have to throw, like, a playable ball, but I might be wrong. But, if I uh, remember, I mean, I, are you talking Elite this year? Yeah, for Elite this year. I just read in the rules <clears throat> that, like, you could still roll the ball over, but mm. you can't roll it over, like, more than once. Um, so, essentially, the way it was, like, um, you know, you can roll it if they roll back to you, you have to throw. Gotcha. So, they're, they're trying to get rid of that, because that could be just brutal to watch and very frustrating. Yeah, I would personally love to see that gone. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's such a it's just so frustrating. He's like, God, oh, just play dodgeball with me. Like, stop, stop rolling the ball, especially if you have uh, people that throw hard and and have no excuse or no reason to, to be rolling it. Yeah, but, um, and I get it. You know, especially with single elim now, you might want to draw out the game to try and 
tire out the other player before you get tired out. But that's not, you know, to me, that's not how you should play it. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. (laughs) Definitely hate seeing it too. Um, Yeah, I think I don't want to, I mean, I kind of want to get into NCAA just a little bit more. Um, That's fine. So the the Nationals are in April, um, and the format's the same, right? It's still going to be those two 25-minute halves? Yes, yeah, still those two 25-minute halves. Um, you'll have probably 30 or so teams traveling. It's uh, held at Grand Valley this year in Michigan. Okay. Um, so you'll have probably 30 or so teams come in. The first full day is uh, you play about three games each, and... Um, that's just to help further determine, you know, like seating or anything. You can request teams to play on day one. And then day two is basically like March Madness where it's single elim up until the finals. Still the two 25-minute halves and still the same OT format if you were to need to go into overtime. You said re- you can request teams to play against? Yes, for day one, you can request what teams you'd like to play. You're not guaranteed to get all the teams you request, but they try and give you at least one of the teams you request. Huh. Now, is that just for, like, to, like, keep it fun, or...? Yeah, and to also, like, you know, you might have had a match against a team where you lost in a really close overtime match and you want to get, you know, revenge for, like, round two, so you request to play them a second time. So kind of like grudge matches, maybe? Yeah, there's definitely some grudge cool. matches that can come out in day one. Um, so, so you guys have like a, a regular season that leads up to this. Like, how many how many matches will your school's team get to play? Uh, it's all dependent on uh, what you schedule. So, with the NCDA, your scheduling solely relied on your eboard members to and your captains to um, say yes, we're going to this league get a roster together, get driving arrangements, whatever transportation arrangements together and send that team to there. We typically try and play about every month, month and a half um, so that we can keep the guys fresh and keep them going. And obviously that playing every month and a half is on top of practicing multiple times a week. And what's uh, what's practice like for you guys? Um, it, uh, it all varies depending on how close we are to or from a tournament. So our first day back, or within the first week back, we're normally watching film, going over things that we can improve on to know how to model our next separate practices. Um, next few practices, you know, like you're going over a lot of strategical stuff, but still playing hard, but t- uh, and taking time to like pause the game mid-play to establish what you should or should not be doing. And then once you've developed that strategy around it again from what you saw from the previous tournament, you're just playing all out for over two hours until uh, the week before and then the week before you tend to take it easy. Gotcha. And one thing I wanted to ask earlier, so um, what's the... How can I phrase this? What's what's the toll it take, like the physical toll? So you're you're playing, you know, two twenty-five minute halves, um, but then you know, how does that compare to like elite, where you know you're playing an all-day tournament, but you're playing, you know, six six players, and games are going a little bit faster, I would think, at least until single elimination. Well, I guess we'll find out during the recap. But is there yeah. like a huge difference in like how how fatigued you get, or how conditions you need to be to be able to hang with the NCDA, or can you kind of comment I on would... that a little bit? 
I would say depending on the teams you play, because each team is different in their playing style. Mm-hmm. Um, your fatigue levels will vary. There are teams that like to play very slow, and in that they won't come up and try and make a throw until they have their clock. Um, counting down, telling them they have like five seconds left. Or there's teams that play very fast paced that are immediately coming up, throwing and running back, and you're having to basically run back and forth with them like a suicide. Um, so it's very dependent on like very, you know, high intensity matches. I, you can find yourself, especially when you're one of the last few in, which for me tends to be the case. Um, I will find myself essentially like nonstop running back and forth, and it'll be, pretty much like running up, making a throw, backpedaling, sprinting back, dropping and sliding to try and make a catch, getting up and immediately running again. Um, so I will definitely be pretty cashed out by the end of those. But the fast pace of Elite, I would say when you have a couple games in a row in like round robin, I'd say that might be a little more fatiguing. Gotcha. <clears throat> um. Just reminding some, I'm trying to remember some like footage I've seen of NCAA games, and if I recall correctly, there's a pretty big neutral zone, right? Oh yeah. Do we cover how long that is, or how many feet that is? Um. So from neutral line to throw line, it's sixty. Or from neutral line to baseline, it's thirty feet for your throwing. So it's what ten feet longer than an open court for your throw. Uh throw distance um and if i remember correctly the full length of the court is 90 feet so it's a 30 foot big uh neutral zone gotcha so because the reason why i ask is like say you know say you guys throw at me and then i'm for whatever reason you guys miss and i'm like trying to run you down is there a is there a scenario where we can kind of like get caught in the neutral zone like or maybe i run past you oh yeah that that'll happen a lot with some of the um for lack of a better term, strategically inexperienced um, players, they'll they won't realize uh, with how big the court is, how far they're running up can also be their downfall. Like, yes, you close the gap on the person in front of you, but if their team has a ball from the other side and they're already running around and you don't stop to adjust to that play, they're just going to come straight up behind you and corner you, and, get, like, and you're or. Yeah, unless they absolutely miss, like, you're almost always out. <laughs> can you, like, so what if, like, you're right next to me? Like, do I just have to throw the ball or can I tag you or, like, how would... The ball has to be, like, released from your hands. Okay. So you can, like, take it and two-handed tap them and then just grab the ball back. Gotcha. Um, I'm definitely, like, not yeah. punching you with the ball if you're that close. It's not, it's not like, close oh, combat. Oh, I mean, combat people or... still do. It's college, bo- it's college guys. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, so April's coming up, round three's coming up, again, by the time this airs, it'll be tomorrow, are you, um, I don't want to say, like, do you hold one over the other, but, like, I guess, like, how are you mentally preparing, because the way I see it, Elite is, like, the best competition we have, but I don't have the NCDA, so how do you weigh the two? Like, does anyone have I guess have it's all dependent or? on which one's closer. Mm-hmm. It's... personally for me it's very easy to switch my mentality after doing this for so many years um and the fact that i know when we come back from round one i'll still have two two and a half weeks to prepare for nationals okay 
um, I think it's a little easier for me to look at everything and realize, okay, you know, like focus on this right now, kind of like exams, like focus on this one right now. And as soon as you get back, switch your mentality and devote it to this next one. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, like I said, though, this is, I've been in this for years, so <laughs> I've developed a habit. Yeah, if I could uh, speak better, I would have asked, how do you mentally prepare to transition in between the two? Don't know why those words failed me, but that's essentially what I was asking, so. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, for me personally, I feel like my roles are a bit different on each team. Uh, for Elite with Final Justice, because it is higher competition and harder throwers, I am very naturally put into the catching phase of things. Uh, because, you know, most of our guys on the team are upper 60s, low 70s on their throws that I'm not going to hit that. Um, whereas NCDA, you have a drop-off in the throwing uh, speeds and capabilities and accuracy of said players that I can be a little more free to move around and play in different roles on the team. So for me, it's almost like I'm closing my mind off to possibilities for elite because I know my sole job is okay make a catch make the big plays like that if you have to throw you better place it at the right spot uh whereas NCDA it's like okay you can set up a team throw with this person and actually you know like still have a decent throw with them and drop back on the defensive gotcha so NCDA kind of lets you be a little more versatile, lets you be a little more offensive, whereas Elite, a little more focused on catching and, and defensiveness. But um, does pinching change that at all for Elite? No, NCDA is also pinch, so I'm kind of just 100% in pinch all the time. <laughs> I meant more like because, it, uh, well, I want to say that the throwing's not as far, but I guess I could be wrong. Is it the same distance for pinch as it is in no, CDA for Elite? No, it's five feet closer for Elite than NCDA for pinch. Gotcha. Is, um, does that change your, your range at all or your ability to, to hit people? Um, A little bit in NCDA. I find that after playing an Elite match, because it's so much closer and you get attuned to seeing a ball at a different reaction time, that when you come into NCDA and it is farther, it's almost like if everything's in slow motion and you can easily see what you're supposed to do if you know what i'm saying gotcha um you like more time to react and kind of plan your your next yeah. couple of split second decisions or, or movements gotcha um i think if there's any other ncda questions i think there's some in the comments so i'll um kind of shift back to elite and then pick up on those but um what uh what what drew you into elite dodgeball so going back six years ago you said you started ncda which is about 2013 time frame yep when did you get into elite first um oh geez i think I, yeah i was actually at elite nationals in vegas in 2014 nice. um i just I wanted to get better and I knew that one of the ways to get better is to go from being a big fish in a small pond aka one of the only girls in well the only girl in the Michigan region to putting myself out there to better players 
and completely different game styles to learn at a much quicker rate. So it was just it was just the idea of um, expansion, I guess, on my gameplay that drew me to it, that I could become this entirely different player in NCDA specifically speaking at the time for what I wanted to be. Nice. And how did that help? I mean, if you can recall your experience with Elite in Vegas, I think it was like the first one too. Yeah. Um, what, what was that like? Like, did it, did it accomplish the mission of, of expanding your horizons and seeing what else is out there? Or do you remember like how you felt walking away from that event? Um, I mean, I will say my very first Elite was pretty rough because I had had no prior, you know, playing in that. But I definitely walked away feeling a lot more competent in my abilities to say to myself, okay, you know, you actually can do these things. You just have to work at them. And Elite really exposed me to what I needed to work on and how I needed to do it. Nice. Do you remember what what those were specifically? Um, just out of curiosity, like at the time, pretty much everything in general. I mean, looking back, you know, you always think you're an, an okay player, but looking back, I can definitely say that my first elite, I was not good, and so it was pretty much working on everything: your dodging, your catching, your throwing, your IQ on the court to know what to do in situations. Um, your communication, everything. And it's just been slowly like, okay, what do I want to work on this week when I got back? Do I want to work on my catching? Okay, I'll just sit on the back line and wait for people to throw at me. Okay, do I want to work at throwing? Great. Yeah, I, I go up and I throw five catches, but now I'm figuring out my arm slots. I'm figuring out my release points. Nice. And it just kind of transitioned me into being able to play a little better. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, i trying to think if there's anything else. Um, yeah, this is a good mentality to have. He's like, yeah, you may, I may have thrown, like, you know, five catches today, but I'm getting my reps in. And like you said, I'm, I'm kind of gauging, like, my release points and just really breaking it down to, like, a technical type of, of mindset and just um, making the most out of that experience. Um, do you have a – I feel like I should know this already, but just because it's on the on the – the page here. What's what's your favorite style of ball? Hundred percent, eight point five pinch. Yes, hundred <laughs> uh, percent. I mean, I foam will always have a special place in my heart because I started with that. But there's so few opportunities up here that my love for eight point five has just skyrocketed. That's awesome. That's the right answer. Um, so I'm guessing foam would be the next, and then no sting would be third. If you had yeah. to choose between the three. <clears throat> So um, are there, there just not too many opportunities to play foam up there, or is it pretty much just still rubber dominant? It's still very much rubber dominant. I'm, uh, Michigan specifically, uh, touching back on NCDA a little, is like the central hub for college dodgeball. They're basically the founders of the league. They're basically the people who started pinching, and that took off. And it was so big for people to build off of that it's basically been – all 8.5 rubber all the time. Nice. Yeah, I, I keep uh, keep saying it, it's just it's based on what you 
essentially grew up with like what you're used to is is what you're gonna like people that came in knowing nothing but foam are gonna swear that foam is the best ball ever and they'll be wrong because the best ball ever is 8.5 <laughs> but i can't i can't hold that against you if you don't know any better um i can only try <laughs> to, to to learn you the ways but uh and i guess it kind of sucks we can't really talk about udc anymore rest in peace because it's not there but um yeah had you because uh, you played last year um, what team did you guys play for or did you play for fierce fierce and had you had much udc experience prior to then or no 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 <laughs> <laughs> i was so out of my element <laughs> do you want to get into that just real briefly just like what that was like and just was that another opportunity to kind of learn what you need to improve on or yeah it 100% was a learning opportunity and it was something that you know I had seen UDC for years and you you never see women out there and once they had a women's team and Kat Takeda reached out to me to play I was like you know I'm at least athletic enough that I can probably do something like it's a great time for me to expand my dodgeball knowledge and my playing abilities like why not it looks like a great time and you don't know whether you're going to get this opportunity again and sadly and ironically i don't get that opportunity yeah, again it's the crappiest part is because i i keep saying it, it just it looks like such a good quality presentation of how dodgeball could be if it was backed by by money and backed by a good yep. production crew and go figure like they they I feel like they get like the best, most polished version of it available. They incorporate a women's division and then it just falls apart. And it's like, come on. I know. Why now? It's, it's sad, but. Yeah. What are you going to do? That is life. Well, I did have some questions about, you know, UDC and switching to a trampoline, but it doesn't really, uh, it's kind of a moot point at this point. So I guess we'll skip over those, but one thing I completely forgot to ask towards the beginning is, um, what is your number and does it have any significance to you? Oh boy, here we go. Okay, right, so I like that. <laughs> I wear number thirty-four. Okay. Um, one person I can tell you one hundred percent that is going to love this is Andrew Ketchum, and I wear thirty-four because my favorite athlete of all time is one of the greatest DHs of all time. And he's from the Boston Red Sox, and it's David Ortiz. Huh. That guy is all-time favorite athlete for me. I know, you know, a lot of people, you know, why the heck do you like David Ortiz? Um, when I went to my very first game, my dad's a diehard Red Sox fan. Uh, he bought me a David Ortiz jersey. We went down early to see the beginning of batting practice, watch through batting practice and everything. And, you know, my little, like, nine-year-old self was all excited, so I go running down to the front. And for some reason, David Ortiz is in, um, oh, what is he? He's in left field, right in the corner, and he's just tossing a ball with one of his teammates. I don't even remember who it was. And I looked down, and I yelled, David, and he looked up at me, and he waved. He said hi. He asked how I was doing. Nice. And just seemed like the nicest, coolest person ever. And then he just had a monster season that year that I fell in love with that guy. That's pretty cool. Not a, not a baseball fan at all, but uh, I think I know who you're talking about just because SNL makes fun of him so much. Um, do you watch SNL at all? I don't. 
have to send you some clips of uh, their version and impersonation of David Ortiz, but they're always like just making fun of how he's always talking about what he's eating. He eats like a big lunch constantly. That's like that's all, like the whole bit. <laughs> but um, yeah, they call him Big Poppy, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's really cool. Um, I, I do like again, not not a huge baseball fan, but I do see a lot of like clips of. Um, baseball players you know when they're warming up playing catch with with fans and you know autographing and just being really good people so that's always cool to see and it's kind of a really cool story as to why you have 34 as your as your number oh yeah can't think of a better reason to have that <clears throat> um so are you you said you're a red Sox fan too though yep gotcha how does that work if you're in michigan um you know when you're diehard about something you make it work doesn't matter Location's uh, not, not gonna make a difference yeah it was kind of just <clears throat> i still kept watching games i've kind of fallen off a little bit just because i've been so busy but i'll keep up with them on you know like espn and everything and make sure like they're still doing okay which right now they're not doing the greatest um but yeah no uh that was actually one of the ways i really met my now or then teammates in the old final justice was through like a baseball game go on how'd that happen so um that was actually how kevin who is the captain of final justice had asked me out at the time was he bought us tickets to the tigers red sox playoff game and obviously it went really well we started dating and we ended up going over to like all everybody's house the next day to keep watching the rest of the playoff series and that's how I really got to hang out and get to know those guys was watching the Tigers Red Sox playoff series. Nice. Is this the same group that um, you tend to have like I think it's like pasta night for you? Like you have like food and then they're all playing Fortnite because I think that's oh. happened a few <laughs> times before we recap. You're like, oh yeah, no, I just got the guys over and you know we're, we're eating dinner and everybody's game. Is is that the same group of people or? It is. Um, it's a little bit of a mixture of the old Final Justice and new Final Justice players. Um, uh, one of the old Final Justice players was our roommate for like two years. He ended up switching jobs and moving out. But yeah, I mean, a bunch of the Final Justice guys are also Michigan State players. So we're all within the same like 10 miles of each other okay. that will always just be hanging out, playing video games, going to eat somewhere always eating <laughs> nice yeah I always thought that was pretty cool because I think of like two of the three recaps was oh yeah everybody's over here just playing Fortnite I was like that, that's pretty cool that's like a that's like a really cool team cohesion type thing like you know, they like each other off the court as well it's kind of neat oh yeah um, well cool so let, we'll go ahead and go into um, we'll start with the fan source questions and we'll start with um the first one, which is Mark Hellstokes asking, uh, what song uh, gets you amped up before a dodgeball game, if any? My all-time favorite go-to song um, 100% would always be The Show Goes On by Lupe Fiasco. Huh. Don't think I've heard that one. It's pretty old, but for some reason, that song, I don't know what it is. It's not even the most type of songs, but I put that on and it's just like instant mentality switch. Show goes around. Um, let's listen to that. 
can't say I'm a huge Lupe fan, but the songs I do know of him, I do enjoy. So it is old Lupe. New Lupe got <clears throat> a little weird, but old Lupe's pretty solid song choices. Okay. Like Go Go Gadget Flow, Lupe time frame or um, I'd say around there. Okay. Maybe a little after. Um, talking like I think the song was released in like oh. 2010 oh man that was so long ago <laughs> I know almost 10 years ago oh jeez yikes yikes yeah um now let's listen to that one do you have any other like runners up or do you have like a, a like a playlist or I have songs? like a full playlist on my Spotify uh so if anybody were to look me up on Spotify it's just my playlist titled workout but I'm a big EDM fan so any hardcore like I want to say like it's a bit of a trap EDM with like a hard bass drop okay. real good bass drops just for some reason like give y'all give me all the goosebumps and I'm just like oh yeah like let's go I'm ready for this <laughs> that's funny it's crazy because most people I've asked like hey what song hypes you up with the exception of Jenny recently it seems like there hasn't been like some people are like oh I don't I don't have time to listen to music or I don't I prefer not to because it settles what? me yeah, it's, it's been strange. It's been like a weird question How? asked lately. <clears throat> I think some people just don't appreciate the arts. I don't, I don't know. Um, I have to. I can't play if, like, I, my whole mentality is off if I don't listen to at least, I want to say, two or three songs before I talk to somebody at um, Elite when I put my headphones on. Like, I will literally just put my hand up and walk away and keep listening to my songs. No, I need this for a second. Gotcha. Um, I think we got into. I don't know if I imagine this, but I think we got into pregame rituals. So I will, I'll save that question for a second because you you reminded me of. Um, no, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and ask it. Do you have a a pregame pre tournament ritual? Um, not so much on the term of like, I get there, have to put this knee pad on, this one on, whatever, but. I get there, um, I almost always have to go uh, put my hair in a braid or a bun in the bathroom at that tournament. Like, I can't walk in with my hair done for some reason, which sounds really girly, but some girls will get that. Uh, and then I have to, have to, have to put my headphones on before I even put knee pads or shoes on. I have to have my headphones on to actually gear up. So you have to have music on as you're gearing up. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, like you're getting ready, you know, like for the day, like, I don't know, like a very minor equation to like soldier going into battle like that. My music is hyping me up to get ready into that, like game day mamba mentality, if you will. Gotcha. Once you're in that mindset, do you stay in it? Like, do you turn into a different person throughout the tournament? Um, like, do you, I don't want to say do you break character, but do you, do you keep that mind mindset? Um, I do for the most part of the day. <clears throat> Toward the end, when I start getting tired, is when it's harder. So you'll see me pull my headphones out again between so, uh, between rounds and try and keep my mentality going. Uh, but I would say for the beginning of the day, I'm pretty solid into a uh, very stoic mentality. I was just curious about that because um, 
it's for me it's hard to do it's hard to get into that mindset when I have to ref or if I'm trying to pull people for in-game interviews or just trying to socialize with all all the people I get to see again that I haven't seen for months at a time but there are definitely times where I just want to be like just kind of go disappear for a little bit plug into some headphones and, and just try to keep that like that mentality so I wonder, I'm going to have to figure out a way to rephrase that question and ask other people as we go because that, that's something I wanted to ask too because a lot of it's going to be mental like how do you focus and how do you actually get mentally prepared and how do you stay that way because these tournaments Honestly, are pretty long I, I, I get 100% where you're coming from with that I will focus and get into that mentality by on the way there like I could go back and pick points in live streams where I know I do something good like let's say like elite nationals live streams or something like that and I will go back to that point and I will watch those over and over again and then I will watch how I subsequently got out huh. and I will just keep watching through them and listening to the hype and then that downfall of getting out where I'm just like alright I can't have that happen this time I need to make a big play and follow it up with an even bigger play you know right that's pretty cool, actually. Just thinking of like the last quasi cool thing I did and the last stupid time I got out, I like like threw a ball and kind of like used that momentum to throw me over the ball that was thrown at me, hit the person, got away scot free, and then a ball was thrown way over my head, and I just like for some reason try to reach up and catch it like I'm playing baseball. Oh no! I was like, why, why would you do that? <laughs> like, you just uh. There's no reason to go out that way. So, one of our guys in practice yesterday did that. Our, our one of our teammates was just messing around and threw a full court lob at him in the middle of the game, and he just went to reach up to grab it and couldn't get it, but it skimmed right <laughs> off his fingers. Like, I could have just kept my hands to myself; would have been alive. I know he just he just <laughs> laid there, like he knew he messed up at the end of that. He just laid down and was like, "No, I'm done." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I love that when it's obviously it's not happening to you, and you're you're able to watch as a spectator, and you see somebody go completely like just out of control, getting out, catching balls, and just just on a streak and then like the dumbest thing gets him out and you're like how like he just like tripped over yourself and just kind of brings the more lightheartedness to to dodgeball um let's go ahead and uh dive into some of these questions and i think just somewhat some that might warrant some more discussion but we'll try to breeze through some of the marvel versus dc which again all this came from final justice so Thanks for explaining that to me because I had no idea, like, why are they so on about Marvel? Um, but we'll start with uh, Markel Stokes, and uh, he's actually asking about DC. So do you have a favorite DC character? I mean, if I had to pick one, I would probably say I'd probably just go classic and go Superman. Superman. Any reason? <clears throat> Not really. Um, I'm much more of a Marvel person than I am DC, but okay. of the few DC things I've watched and like actually like read and done anything I'm just Superman just seeing you know, all that classic great storyline gotcha yeah you kind of answered a sort of follow up question are you team Marvel or DC so I guess Marvel more or less yep and um, he asked was the name Final Justice taken from Marvel versus Camcom I guess in the game um I don't I honestly do not know the guys formed this team right out of high school back in 2008 
And I just never honestly really asked them where that name came from. And I just assumed like that was the most heroic creative thing they came up with because the fact that each guy had their own superhero they embodied. Gotcha. Are you familiar with the Marvel vs. Capcom series? Like, is it called, like, is Final Justice the title? Maybe like, it's more of a Sergio question. Yeah, I was going to say, that's probably a Sergio question, but I'm not sure. I wonder if that's what he means. Um, let's see. Some of these didn't transfer fully over to, because there's a lot of memes, which are hilarious. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> <clears throat> I'll make sure I've got them all. So, Abdul Saeed. Okay, I think I got the context for this one. He just says uh, Captain America's super move, classic. So I guess that's what Final Justice might mean. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, the it's probably a offline combo. Let's see here. Yeah, and I think there might have been more re- uh, more replies to that potentially that. That is just copied over from the end of it. So I'm thinking too. Something he says, I try harder the absolute heck out of Dante. I think he means devil may cry. Okay, a little bit of a rabbit hole there. Um, yep. <laughs> the, the next question though was um, favorite jersey from each region. There you go, Mark Hill. Always ask All right, one. so I actually went back and I did some research to look through each region. Awesome. But currently, if I'm going to start with West, I absolutely love the finesse jerseys uh, that they just made with, you know, like Paige and Ashley and everybody like that. Those jerseys are so sweet. Nice. Um, I also love the Riot ones that have like kind of that bandana print uh, sublimated lightly in the background. Love, love, love those. Um, if we were going east, those gray Team Awesome jerseys that almost had like that. Um, oh, geez, it was like a big like. It was like a big rectangle with a bunch of print and pattern work in the middle of it, and then a uh, really cool Team Awesome script across it. This was uh, and- what team was this? Team Awesome. It's their gray jerseys that they wore at UDC, and I think it was the year they won it that they okay. wore those. I think something's kind of coming to mind. I might have to research that one. I'm a very big fan of like subtle details, so stuff like that's always like a big thing to me. Gotcha. Um, for North, I mean, the current jerseys that we just released, I love those current jerseys we just released. Uh, I maybe slightly biased since I worked with design production and drew up multiple drafts of this jersey for months. And this is the but Final Justice jersey? The new ones, yeah. Not the okay. black one that had like the comic book font coming up from the end, but we now just released uh, new ones. Is that? Uh, and, can we see that on online right now or am I missing it? Yeah, I think it's on our Final Justice dodgeball team page on Facebook. Uh, but it's it's pretty sweet. It goes from like a Honolulu, like Detroit Lions jersey color blue up to a really light blue. And there's a big cresting wave starting from one side. And then this really cool, like almost Shenron-like dragon coming down from your opposite shoulder. Oh, okay. I see it. And it meets like a crested Final Justice symbol in the middle. Nice. Kind of reminds me Trends. of... Um... Oh, good. Oh, I was just going to say, we're trying to stray away a bit from the superhero theme this year and go a little different. 
Gotcha. You might have said it, but it reminds me of those like um, so like Japanese woodblock paintings, I think, where they kind of have like the like the waves um, and clouds in like a certain style. Yep. No, that's that's actually what I used a lot of inspiration for. Okay. Um, was a lot of uh, paintings like that that had the Asian influences and undertones to them. Gotcha. Uh, and then I just realized I have not said for South yet. I just love the cleanness of the outlaw jerseys for the South. Right. Yeah, they're one of my favorites. Just, uh, I think I preferred Outsiders just because it was black and red, and that's always going to be my favorite. But, like, the outlaws did look really good, too. Sometimes simple is really just perfect. Yeah. Very cool. Actually, kind of going back on the Final Justice, um, any reason for the dragon? Was that just part of the the look that you were looking for? Or is there any like specific thing for that? We were just trying to find something that could really be used as the face of you know our new design work and our logos and everything like that. But we wanted to still have a powerful presence behind it. And we toyed with like a couple different ideas for a while. And finally the guys, I drew up this first mock-up that we had and they were like, Hey, you know, like that's actually really sweet. Like I'd be cool going in that direction. I was like, okay, so we talk in dragon and that's when everybody started realizing, you know, like, yeah, dragons are really powerful. They have a lot of honor and integrity behind them in certain societies and stuff like that, so. Gotcha. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, imagine if Dragon is coming out of the heavens to lay out some justice, that's it. Um, you're done. It's game yeah, over. Yeah, you're done. Yeah, game over, Considering man. nobody's ever seen a dragon, I'd assume if I saw a dragon coming from the heavens, I was done. Yeah, you're pretty much, uh, you hope you're not on its list of things to mess up. Um, Sergio asks, and I, I think I'm going to have to like ban him from asking these kind of questions because they can go all all sorts of directions. But he asked if you could assemble a mixed team of six between the Avengers and Justice League, who would it be and why? Um, did you you didn't write that one down by any chance, did you? Or did you want to skip that one? I did not, but I could honestly just give you the six that were our original uh, Final Justice characters for the original members, which was okay. Spider-Man, Batman... Punisher, Superman, Hulk, and Captain America. Okay. Captain America's pretty good at throwing a frisbee, so I can see that one. Spider-Man's agile. Can't mess with the Hulk. Um, any reason for the Punisher? <clears throat> um, I mean, the Punisher's a big, you know, like, a big gun guy, weapon guy, everything like that. And our dude was a big marine guy that oh, perfect. loved stuff like that. And he loved the very hardcore tone that Punisher always set. Yeah, that makes sense. I think uh, if you're a Marine, you're supposed to like the Punisher. Yeah. It's just kind of standard issue there if you're a superhero. Um, I guess I can understand why you asked this question. That was, what superhero DC or Marvel do I remind you of and why? And, like, I didn't get any context. I just, like, saw notifications and saw this. I was like, what? Like, what are you, what are you talking about, guy? Um... Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, that's tough for me. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to see if there's any like, I don't say like good Marvel DC character questions. Um, 
I'll try I to... did like somebody asked like what were your least favorite of each uh, and I, I mean those for me were just because of bad movies or bad like just like stuff like that like like Aquaman I hated the Aquaman movie Oh man, um, I can hear a lot of people gasping. How dare you? I haven't <laughs> seen it. <laughs> yeah, just the collective. <gasps> I've already established I'm Team Marvel. Just relax. <laughs> yeah, it's already been stated. Um, and then, I don't know, I'm just not a big like Hawkeye fan. They don't have him in a lot of things lately that it's like... It just, at this point right now with all the things going on up to Infinity Wars, it just seems, he seems like irrelevant. He's not doing a lot when he is in things. Like, now he's gone. He's back home. Cool, whatever. Now, now he's back with a pretty fresh haircut. So we'll see. Uh, That's fair. What role he has. Um, I, I do like, I'm going to nerd out for a second. In, in um, Age of Ultron, you know, he's talking to Scarlet Witch. And he's like, hey, I'm, I'm a dude with a bow and arrow. Nothing makes sense. Like, I'm glad that he kind of the writers nodded to the fact that okay you have all these guys with incredible superpowers yet you have this human who just has a bow and arrow who is an incredible shot <laughs> yeah he's an incredible shot and somehow you know can fight against machines and aliens and, and come out you know for the most part okay um, yeah. I'm curious how they're going to bring him into um, Endgame um, and no, why I'm they so chose excited them. for Endgame yeah so about that um on a scale of 1 to 10, Abdul Saeed asks, how shook were you at the end of Infinity Wars? Okay, so... <laughs> I talk a lot, right? Like, yep. I don't shut up. And I didn't talk for 15 minutes after the end of that. Really? I was... Oh, I just sat there, mouth open, just, like, staring off into space. I... Oh, my God. But fun background story to that really quick. When we went there to see Infinity War, it was me, Kevin, and two of our teammates. And our teammate that drove us all there was apparently so excited to see Infinity War that he left his keys in his car and car running for the entire three and a half hour movie that we sat through in the parking lot of the movie theater and we were all so excited that nobody had noticed that we were walking away from a car that was still on <laughs> he was just so focused on getting to the theater like he legit <laughs> thought he lost his keys at the end of the movie and we're all running around looking oh like gosh. going in the bathroom checking all the like front concession stands and everything to see if anybody turns it in my one teammate Dennis and I run out to see if his car's still there and we see his lights are on and automatically you think oh my god somebody's in his car like they're about to drive off because the movie had ended so we figured that person might have found the car and like you know was trying to leave we run up his car's unlocked everything's still sitting where it was keys are in and his car is now on e <laughs> wow yeah i mean he man uh the more i think about that the the less funny it is to man he's really lucky nothing bad happened like it didn't um I want to say take off or like ram into another vehicle or get stolen, but um, yeah, three hours is a long time for a car to be running. Yep, in idle with uh, with the keys of the ignition. That, that could have been a free car for somebody. That's awesome. That, oh, that yeah. didn't happen. <laughs> Jeez. And we don't let him live that down. <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, that would stay in my memory for a very long time. Um, in fact, I remember when I did something like that. 
long time ago, but I was at home. Um, so yeah, that's something that's going to stick with you for a while. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a poor guy, but he's also really fortunate. Um, yeah, so I mean, so I was re- I really liked Infinity War. In fact, I, I watched it again Sunday. Um, I meant to just put it on as background noise because I'm, I'm trying to get hyped for Endgame. Because yeah. up until Sunday when I watched Infinity War, I really kind of wasn't feeling the whole Marvel thing. And, uh, yeah, I fixed that. I'm, I'm really excited now. But um, oh, yeah. I ended up watching the whole thing again. I just sat there. I'm like, oh, well, three hours has passed by. I didn't do any of the things that I said I was going to do with this as background noise. But um, I knew that, okay, people are going to fade away. But, like, I I guess we're spoiler-free. But, like, they're, they're going to come back. Like, how I don't understand how that shook people up. Like, there's just no way... It's just, a, I think it's a matter of, like, how Doctor Strange said he saw over, like, what, 14 million possibilities, and only one came out with them winning. There could be, like, 14 million possibilities to how this ends, but there's probably one of them out there where everybody still stays dead. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I... I just don't believe. Granted, I, I know that you know you know they're not gonna do that. Yeah. Just... Are you are you a Game of Thrones fan by any chance? Yeah. Okay, so so that really numbed me to like people dying. It's like oh oh yeah oh big deal. Oh. Spider Man faded away. Oh no, he's gonna come back. Um, Ned is still dead, and um, I think after oh. that I was just been forever ruined. That shook me. <laughs> so hard he was my favorite in season one and then all of a sudden that happens and I'm just sitting there jaw dropped about in tears yep I yeah so a friend of mine got me into it um he almost drugged me into watching it and then by the time we get to that episode I guess it was 10 I was like sold Uh, I, I became a huge fan ever since then and I just remember thinking okay they're 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 gonna you know not kill him and then i saw you know yorin in the background i thought okay the night watch the night's watch is gonna bust them out because i'm so used to you know these last minute you know saves where the main yep. character doesn't die and then he dies and I'm just like what <laughs> and they just rip everything out from under you yeah and i was like huh and it's really like, same thing jaw dropped and just like looked at my friend like uh, are you gonna fix this? Like, are you gonna tell me, hey, he doesn't really die? Or I, I was just, I could not believe it. I was, um, I was shocked. It wasn't actually his yeah. head rolling. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. So, and they show his corpse being dragged off in, in episode ten. That's what it was. And I was just like, what the, f- what the heck? Like, and then I just realized, man, you might as well have told me Santa Claus wasn't real. Like, that's like a life changing event or a life changing thing. Now, it's just yeah. So that means anybody can die now in this series and all of the people that I love are not safe. I'm like, oh my God. Uh, it's very disturbing. Yeah. But yeah. And then um I was not okay after that for a while. Yeah, and then you get okay and then they throw the red wedding at you and you're oh, not okay again. Jeez. Oh man. Yeah, so I'm getting stressed just thinking about it. Yeah, we'll move on, but but just to <laughs> just to make make a point, you know, um, I'm pretty sure all of our beloved Marvel characters are safe and they'll be all right, and it'll be a good movie all the same. Hope so, but uh, yeah, that was. Uh, I will say, um, watching it my second time, I did feel almost an emotion when when Spider Man was fading away, just because oh. of how Tony was like trying to mentor him and try to look after him, and he ultimately fails. Like, oh, I can feel that from. Tony Stark's point of view, not so much um, Spider-Man, but anyway. Um, 
sidetracked there. Yeah, we went way sidetracked yeah. from that. <laughs> went from Marvel DC to Game of Thrones to... Uh, back we'll, to Dodgeball. We'll get back to Dodgeball. <laughs> so, and I think a great uh, way to get into that is uh, Felix Peroni asks, and I, I think this is why I kind of wanted to table some of the NCDA questions for this, was um, is there anything that you want to see more of or less of in the NCDA? Um, personally, I mean, when it comes to the NCDA, being the only girl in the Michigan region, I would absolutely love to see more female representation through the sport. Maybe they have a lot of, you know, um, article write-ups and everything for things like that. Maybe some more articles written up by females or females in the content team that actually work for everything. Um, because we are few and far between, but the females that are there are 110% dedicated to their team. Um, the only other thing I could think of with them would be maybe like actually posting highlights from games because they do take live stream of everything. And they started doing a little bit of that with like bloopers of like one of the guys sliding out of bounds and his teammate catching him by the shirt while he's in midair and like, you know, pulling him back, like doing actual highlight plays. Um, other than that, what I'd love to see less of is, you know, I know that it still happens in Elite and there's still some bad blood on the court for things like that. But for some reason, NCDA guys, and I think it's just because they're all college guys, is they just, they bicker and bat, uh, butt heads so much. Mm. I'd love to see a game where everybody just is having fun and very carefree about it. Gotcha. Yeah, I um, do. Does does NCDA have a lot of activity on dodgeball on dodgeball's family? Um, not so much. I think. I mean, I don't regularly check that. Right. But I do know that like Felix does a really good job with posting things on that, and so does Kevin Bailey. I know I'll try sometimes if the live streams up, I'll you know share things to that to get the NCDA some more exposure, but. Um, I don't think they're as active as like what we could be on it. I guess. Yeah, because I mean they they obviously have a pretty solid, like for lack of better words, establishment, and I, w- I would think <coughs> that would that that show up more on on the community thread. Uh, just more links, more articles, kind of like what the Tribune was doing, just generating articles nonstop. Like I don't see why. Um, the NCAA Day hasn't done that. It could be wrong, but I just, from my experience, I don't see much of it when I think that might help bring more more exposure, but it, it's not like... Because when I talked to, like, Felix and uh, Kevin uh, last year, it, I don't think exposure is what they need. I think it's more just awareness of what could happen if people on the West Coast and Pacific Northwest... Um, stepped up their game and started recruiting for the NCDA and like what they can contribute to to make it a, a, yeah. a more far-reaching thing so yeah I don't know I think um, I should be helping cover pre-cap recap or just discussing the NCAA day in a little bit more detail with um, Jacob Lesky in April so maybe that that'd be a good time to bring that up and, and ask about it but um, you kind of mentioned bickering and I'll go ahead and Answer the, or ask this one from Sergio, and that is, um, seems though the North inspired the meme war trend, uh, and he's referring to the Dynasty versus Gamecocks, which is freaking hilarious. Um, now that I'm following that, 
But do you guys have like a, a team in the north that you guys kind of rival and, and mess with each other and take jabs at on the NCDA side or just in the north in um, general? I'd probably go more elite north in general for this. But I like to think that Notorious is a really good rival with us in the north. Um, we seem to always be pretty evenly matched and it comes down to some big play that swings momentum for our teams but I mean they're all really great guys really you know like hard throwers great catchers great abilities um but yeah it always just seems to come down to like some one big thing that turns the tables between us gotcha but you're not sharing memes and like yeah I don't think Notorious is the greatest with their social media presence and we're you know just getting into it so (laughs) <laughs> it's not going to be the most exciting of meme wars if we start that. Gotcha. Yeah, the meme wars. Uh, uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna prevent another rabbit hole with that one. Um, <laughs> Dominic asks, uh, tacos or pizza? So, what what team is this? And 100 tacos. I have it written in all caps on my little recap thing. Underline three exclamation points. Good tacos. <laughs> okay. There's no question on that one. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Dominic, if you're listening, I'm gonna make this a standard question. So far, everyone has had to answer this since uh, I think Sean asked. So moving forward, and we should probably tally this up, and at the end of the season of the podcast, just say who won. But uh, tacos, okay. Hard shell or soft, or does it matter? Depends. You know, like it. It doesn't matter. I would probably say I eat more hard shell tacos than soft shell, though. Mm. And are there good tacos up in Michigan? What was that? Are, are there good tacos up in, in Michigan? Eh, I mean, it's like there's there's tacos up here. They're not like <laughs> they're not like if you go to like I don't know if you've been to Tacos El Gordo in Vegas. That's like one of our favorite taco places. Um, and every time we go to Vegas, we have to go there at least once. Gotcha. But they're they're like serviceable, I guess you could say. <laughs> serviceable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a serviceable taco here. Uh, we'll get the <laughs> job done. Do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, if you ever end up in Arizona, New Mexico, or Texas, I think your whole perception of tacos will change drastically, and then you'll you'll never want one north of. Nebraska. Oh yeah, I'm not surprised. Yep. Um, let's see. I think we kind of covered Abdul Saeed's question, where it was like, "What was it like we- to play uh, in the first CDC division? Were you out of your element?" So I think you you said, "Yeah, you're kind of out of the element." But um, was there anything that you wanted to add to that, or? Um, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I was out of my element, but at the same time I was it was so much fun to actually try and play on that different entirely different type of game style that I would 100% go back and do it again if they brought it back yeah God, it just sucks this is the first and only women's EDC uh, rest in peace again so sad yeah I hope they bring it back soon but um kind of just get off that one um i kind of asked you about like any mental barriers going from 
uh, NCDA to Elite. Um, did you have any more that you want to mention on that, just transitioning from it? Personally, it's just more of a, like for me as a woman in dodgeball, it's more of a getting over the you're not good enough mental barrier because you are one of the few up here in the north that you see all these guys that throw 70 or catch point blank and when you don't throw 70 and haven't made like crazy catches point blank consistently it's like okay i'm i don't think i am good enough to play this game style and having to talk yourself out of that hole that you've dug into is very hard Is that, um, is that something you still experience now, or do you feel like you've been able to kind of overcome that and adjust? I felt like I've been able to overcome it a bit. Um, <clears throat> I know now, like, the more I make plays and the more I get playing, like, the more I play, uh, the easier it is for me to realize, you know, like, you can look back and say, hey, I, I have made a play in this scenario before. Hey, I have done well in this scenario before. You know, like, don't get yourself instantly into that thought process of, okay, well, I might as well not play. I'm not, you know, going to compete well with them. You think back to after the, you know, years of playing in this, okay, well, you have competed against them. You have done well. You have taken these players out. You have caught them. Like, it's trying to realize more of the good than the bad gotcha and just kind of helping that propel you forward and, and not so much sticking on on the past for lack of better words yeah um kind of maybe a weird question is there like a i guess you can only really speak to your experience but is there like an expectation where as a female player like you're just a ball retriever or a ball fetcher, like you're supposed to give the ball up to somebody else to throw. Like, have you experienced that in you? In I mean, I mean, <clears throat> yes, but that also comes with knowing your role. You know, right. um, that comes with knowing you're not the hardest thrower on the team. So you know, well, when you know your role in the court and know um, what is better for the team it's very easy for you to just look at who doesn't have a ball and say, okay, I know I have to give up this ball because the guy that doesn't have one throws 72 and he's just standing there. Right. Like it's, it's more so knowing, you know, like I just reiterated team components of everything. So it definitely has happened a lot of times, but as a woman, you know, I know I'm not the hardest thrower to give that up. Gotcha. It's a matter of like preference, more or less, and um, yeah. So Sergio asks, uh, I think this is a pretty good one. Um, he says in Jenny's episode, she mentioned how her playing dodgeball at her university pioneered and opened the door to many women following her. Do you feel like you've done the same thing, or was there a woman who inspired you beforehand um, you'd like to thank? So. You know, I would love questions. to say that I inspired some people, but being the only girl up here. You, it's really like it's hard you know when you're an audience of one right uh, but I have had several girls also come up to me at NCDA nationals when people get together and say you know like hey you're one of the best female players I've ever seen in NCDA like how did you get so good you know like you're crazy like I wish I could play like that blah 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 
And so I guess I would like to say, yes, I've kind of maybe inspired girls to take a more aggressive role on the court. But my inspiration to become the player I am, 100% Paige Peterson. Really? Oh, yeah. Um, Ever since I first watched her play and everything, it was just she was so dominant on the court um, in the fact that she could throw hard, she could make catches and everything, but she never looked like she was out of place. And she always played well. And it was, I just saw her play and I was like, okay, I need to be like her. Nice. (laughs) So I started trying, you know, to be more aggressive, try and make bigger plays, go for riskier outs and catches and everything like that. And it just kind of developed me. That's awesome. Yeah, when I first saw Paige, um, she lived in Tucson, or was from Tucson. She came to an open gym, and um, I was like, oh, man, who's this, like, who's this female player here who, like you said, just looks like she belongs because uh, she was catching and throwing just like anybody else that, that had been playing for years was doing so, and definitely not, you know, like your athletic type of rookie where like they look like they know how to play dodgeball but they still got some kinks so she definitely looked like she had experience and then I was really excited because at the time we were kind of um, scrounging for you know women players for co-ed so it's like oh this is incredible it's like a it's like a godsend like we have a phenomenal female player here and she told me she's from the north and I was like oh okay that makes sense there are a bunch of psychos up there but also dang <laughs> it like we don't, we're gonna she's not here permanently but yeah I just remember her just just lighting the court up and just being a phenomenal player and it's it's been cool watching her progress throughout the years oh yeah um she is a really cool player to watch yeah and she's always doing something hilarious like fighting curtains or stealing (coughs) oh yeah that was actually when she subbed for our team in new orleans oh nice yeah i don't think she'll ever leave that down and i don't want to ever i don't think she ever can because it's made into several gifts course alrighty so um, Alan Thomas uh, wrote in like a series of questions so I'm just gonna go ahead and read the full thing and then we'll start with the first one and that was um, what are your thoughts on forced female participation uh, elite co-ed switching to three to three gender requirements specifically do you think it's more important to meet the market need or require equal representation and then also what are your thoughts on rules that favor women giving them a shorter throw line or adding a ball only they're allowed to throw and it makes competition for example so um first of all i'm curious what he means about forced female participation i don't feel like anybody's being forced to play dodgeball um no i don't think i agree with you i don't think anybody's being forced to either i do think however that it's forcing women away from teams that they normally would play with or feel more comfortable playing with to go to different teams to split them up because you might have you know like a team of two like I don't know sisters that play with each other or you know like whatever that they feel comfortable with each other and they haven't been able to find a third on their team so they are forced to split up to go into other ones um, just for sake of league requirements I personally liked it at 4-2. We'll see how this, you know, 3-3 format goes. Gotcha. So do you have like a, I want to say like any, any weigh-in, but you're just kind of, yeah, you know, as you said, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Like that's pretty much your sentiment towards it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll see how it goes this year. 
or it's next year, right? Yeah, next year. Yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting. Um, when it says like forced, I, I, I go to like a dark place, like 2005, 2006, where there just were so few women players, like they just didn't exist. So you would literally force your girlfriend to play or like your cousin. And you could tell they definitely did not want to be there and they're just there to make the gender requirement. And they would be like the first ones out or they throw a floater to get caught or they would start the game and then walk out of bounds. So like the, that that's what I meant by like force. But you're, I think you kind of, maybe you meant more what he was thinking where it's like, okay, a team that has two solid girls now has to pick up another one from another team where they're comfortable with. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting. Um, sorry, it's kind of thinking out loud for a second there, but no, you're all right. His um, second question was, "Do you think it's more important to meet the market need or require equal representation?" So, I I mean, I am always for equal representation, but currently with the market need, I feel like the original format would have always works better for us personally, because, like you also said, like. Yeah, back in 0506, there were very far and few between women playing dodgeball. Now, yes, we have a lot more, but um, they've seemed to establish themselves on the teams that they are already on and who they're comfortable being with or with, you know, without. And if we're being honest, looking at the numbers in elite specifically, there are far more men playing than women. So I think switching from a majority to an equal roster concept, it has really good merit, and I would be all for it someday. I just feel like personally right now that might not work the best, and it's going to cut down your team sizes that actually play in the league. Yeah, so I'm not really sure what he means by market need. Like, is elite trying to market to women players to, to recruit more or are women players demanding more court time and hence the three by three or I'm not I, I, I'm not sure honestly I mean like to go off the women demanding more court time yeah at this point day and age you know like there have been a lot of women that have established themselves to be able to play with the guys very easily and be dominant in certain situations so yeah, they should demand more court time side by side with a guy, but at the same time right now, if you look at the numbers, at least from just what I see, there are a lot of women, but a lot of women do not feel comfortable yet playing against men. Right. Which is why, you know, we have the women's division. It's obviously completely different taking a throw at your face in women's division versus like Oh, I don't know, like Kenny Cox winding up and throwing a no-sting ball at your throat like he did to me at uh, New Orleans Nationals. That's very detailed. It sounds like it actually Oh, yeah, happened. it was, it was a, <laughs> you know, just stating from a friend's personal experience. But <laughs> Yeah, no, I definitely took a full-on throat, throat from him, and it was not a good time. Yeah, but that felt great. Um, oh, yeah, it, it had that? a rise to it. I had my ball down for the block, and it just curved up, and I couldn't pull. Like, I pulled my ball in to block it, but I blocked it into my throat, and it was just mm. grand old time. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything more fun to experience. I mean, you could ask him. The guy's a really nice guy. He'll probably let you. He'll probably, you know, 
give a couple throws at you to see how you like it. Uh, he he did say that's how he shows respect and appreciation for you as a player if if he just does oh. not hold back. So. Um, oh, good, good. Yeah, there's that. Like, yeah, cool. This guy is a monster and wants to kill me, but I guess that's a good thing. Silver lining, he respects me. So, gets a uh, favor throws a dainty ball at you. That that's saying a lot about what he thinks of you. So. Saying he hates you. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. How dare you, sir? You're supposed to give me a black eye. But uh, <laughs> um, I'm curious because, like, so I mean, you're you're kind of speaking from what you've seen on the west and the east. Because um, if I recall, you know, the south and the north are still kind of building their women's division. The west clearly has a lot more women players already. Um, so I wonder, like, I. If I have a chance, I want to ask this to some other um, regional-based women players to see what their thoughts are. Because I, I like this question. Um, it's definitely something I don't think I touch on too much, just because I don't think to ask. But yeah, I'm just very curious to see what other opinions are. But um, he does go on to ask the, the third question. That was, um, what are your thoughts? Because you kind of talked about like how women don't want to face uh, balls thrown by by males, but. What are your thoughts on rules that favor women? Um, for example, giving them a shorter throw line or adding a ball only they are allowed to throw in a mixed competition, for example. Um, what are your thoughts on that one? I personally don't like it because I want the play to be as evenly matched as possible. I want to have the same exact boundary lines, the same exact ball that a guy uses so that I don't, like, quote unquote, to even it out. I'd rather beat somebody at their own game then be given all these advantages to go up and be like, oh yeah, well with this short, with this smaller ball and a shorter throw line, I got you out. No, I want to take, you know, like an eight and a half inch rubber ball, throw from the same line and actually use accuracy to hit them and get them out. Um, in my high school days that we started with in that foam tournament, they did that where they had the really small foam balls that only the uh, women could throw. And I just remember absolutely hating it. And I would just like sit the small foam balls in the back and still just take the bigger foam balls and use those because I just thought it was so dumb that they would try and like have women throw smaller ones. Like, so what? Like, get better, you know? <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, that's... I don't, I don't feel like that's a... I don't feel like a lot of people share that sentiment where they because I'll say this too about like okay people are complaining about they're not making Tyler's like top 50 and the answer to that is get better or they're complaining that they don't throw 75 miles an hour like Andrew Ketchum well get better and granted there's only so much you can do to, to, to fix that but that's the mentality that a true competitor should have so like when you say oh I don't want to have any advantage any advantages given to me I want to play this game on equal ground as the player to my left and right. Like, I feel like that's a very strong competitive mindset. And, um, oh, yeah. and I'm kind of going to like our foam league that we play where we have, you know, we have the, the male throw line, which is like the center of the court. And we have the female throw line, which is, you know, a good maybe three or four or five feet up ahead. And we'll definitely use that to our advantage. And there are definitely some, you know, females that are there just to have fun. Some don't have the arm or the grip strength to even let alone pinch a ball, uh, let alone throw an 8.51. So I think it's just more of a preference. But when you get into like a competitive, like a truly competitive environment like the NCDA and, and Elite, I feel like anything that kind of cheapens that 
is is just not um, like you said. It's just it's not right. Like you'd rather not participate or engage in that. So yeah, like I mean personally, and, and like I am a very strongly competitive person. I'm the person that even if I end up, you know, working and eventually getting myself at the top spot on the list, I'm still not going to be happy enough because I know that that's top spot of women's there's you know like men's list too that like granted you know it's for men but if you're good enough you make it to things you know yeah i know that's uh last year one of the biggest things in the ncda to um really really motivate me was they have they release men's and women's all-american voting and you have first and second team for men's and just first team for women's because there are so few women. I got second overall in women's and I ended up even getting, I found out, um, a vote or two for the regular All-American list. And that just like lit a fire under me that I was like, I didn't even realize I could do this. Nice. Okay, guess we're going for standard All-American roster. And this was... Um... NCDA, you said? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I I wonder if this will, I don't want to say like inside conversation or comments, but I'm just really curious to see what other people think about that just in general. Um, and I, I don't know how I'm going to come across, but, you know, I look at you as kind of like an anomaly. Like you're the only female playing out in Michigan and you're playing – 8.5 pinch which you know I won't do like no thanks so I, I want to say you're, you're kind of the exception right now but I don't, I don't know like I could be wrong I think if um, yeah I, I don't know how to I want to say like see past my bias but just from my experience it, it's not normal seeing um, <laughs> women playing pinch so I, I really hope that doesn't paint me in a bad picture but that, I'm just kind of basing off of what I know no you're fine I, I get it you know like like you said too like it's it's hard to actually like grip and hold an 8.5 rubber ball I couldn't grip for probably a year and the only thing that kept me going to actually get into pinch was it was something I couldn't do and I don't like not being able to do things um and pinch is obviously like the craziest hardest game of them all that i was like this is awesome like i want to get good at this <laughs> I, and so that's kind of how it was like kevin and i i would tell kevin we'd go to practice early and i'd tell him just throw at me as hard as you can like that's awesome i don't care like hit me if you hit me in the face whatever like he's hit me in the face a couple times and you know granted like it's it's not it's me misreading a ball but it's me realizing hey you messed up like that was a crappy play to try and make like what do you want to do here <laughs> yeah yeah so like part of why i i hate foam so much and again don't know how it sound but it's like you you should be able to grip an 8.5 ball and if you can't you should not have an entire division created around you because you don't want to learn or put put in the, the grip strength to to be able to throw an 8.5 ball and uh, mind you my, my don't have you know super large hands like I, I I just don't have like Andrew Ketchum size hands right 
and I'll never yeah. throw as hard as Ketchum, but I could still play 8.5, and I could still tell myself, oh, if I want to throw harder, um, I can put the work in in the gym, you know, work on legs or work on forearm strength. And because you have people like Mike McGee who are, you know, they're not built like Ketchum, but my God, do they throw hard as crap? So yeah. it's definitely possible for people of smaller stru- um, stature, I guess, to to put the time in and work or take the foam shortcut, which again, I'm not going to try to take away from foam because it definitely has a lot of um, talent required to do well in it, especially with those people that can just snag those things out of out of nowhere. But oh, that's yeah. why I see 8.5. Um, it's like, it's just taking a shortcut, but... <clears throat> and I mean, you know, like, I'll agree to disagree with you on this. I do think that foam takes a lot of athleticism and talent on it. I personally just, like, you know, like, I'm on your side where it's I think 8.5 for me, at least personally, involves a little more of a skill set. Um, and that also comes from not having the biggest hands and everything like that, and not having, you know, if I were Andrew Ketchum size, people would be a little questioning on things like that. Right. Uh, but it foam with how the you can curve and manipulate those balls in your throw is so hard to track and i think that that takes a ridiculous amount of hand-eye coordination to follow it through but at the same time and i think this might just be my crazy side coming out with pinch but like you get hit with a foam ball and you don't feel a thing yeah like i (laughs) we were in the tribune in um at la and i forget who we were playing and who threw it at me, but I was already walking off and I had gone to raise my hand up and she had already thrown at me and it hit me in the side of the face. And she was like, Oh, are you okay? And I was like, okay, no offense, but like, it's a phone ball. all I play is pinch. This is not, I'm not going <laughs> to feel a thing. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I love when somebody gets stuck with a phone ball and it creates that crazy sound. And oh yeah! You, you just hear somebody go like, "Whoa!" Like I, I can't do it right now. But you just like somebody go like, "Oh man, you got blown up!" I'm like, "No, no, no. man, you threw a pillow at me and I didn't catch it. Like th- I don't feel anything other than take just, a pinch throw and yeah. make the pinch throw make that sound, and then you can go ooh. Then you get your woo, and then I'll, I'll you know I'll probably bleed from inside my chest, and then we'll talk. Yeah, but, you're internally bleeding, hobbling yeah. off. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, this one kid I was playing against um, Alan last night, and um, he hit this one kid who. To his credit, he's 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 coming to our practices for eight point five, and you know he's trying, and that that's I'll always respect that um, all the way. And he, he got hit in the in the manly region by the foam ball, and he, like Ooh. doubled over. He's like, oh god, and he's just acting like he's in this this worst pain. I'm like, dude, shut up! You got hit by a marshmallow. Like, stop! Just get up. It was a love tap. Yeah, he's like, but it came from Alan. And I'm like, okay, try catching an Allen ball with an eight point five. Then then we'll talk, man. Then you can you know be all dramatic and. Until then, just suck it up, man. It's 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 a it's a pillow. That's it. But yeah, I don't even know how we got in this conversation. But uh, for the record, I, I think am it was the women fairness and unfairness. And yeah, we were talking about how. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and I to be fair, and, and for the record, I, I do like foam. I, I realize like in order for me to get better, I have to get better in practice, and I, I just uh, as we talked about earlier, I'll always have eight point five in my heart. But um, anyway. Um, Miles Garner says um, also Nationals 2018 featuring Final Justice versus Kaiju why y'all have to do me like that um, do you know what he's talking about 
Yeah, uh, we may or may not have been the ones to cause that slow-mo Miles face gif where he it, the ball pretty much just wraps around him. Uh, and to be fair, we played against Miles for all three regions before that that we know Miles is a big catching threat. Um, so we had originally put, the plan was, you know, put two balls on him and have a delay throw just in case. And it just so happened that both balls hit him, but our guy had already wound up for the delayed throw and couldn't stop. And the slow-mo just makes it look so long and so bad. But if you look in the slow-mo, the balls had just started coming up from their first bounce off of the ground. So that wasn't that bad. (laughs) Yeah, I'm replaying that in my head. And it just seems like the most deliberate, delayed... I'm going to hit you in the face throw on whoever was throwing it. Sorry, Miles. That was our rookie, and that rookie (laughs) hit 68 with his open throw six months into playing 8.5. Dang, that's a... His pinch is 73. Oh, my goodness. He's insane. He's 19. It's crazy. Oh, man, he's got... We have a couple more tricks like him coming out in round one you'll hear about. I appreciate the warning in advance, and uh, yeah, I look forward to asking about him during the recap. But sorry, Miles. It's just funny, like just replaying that, and then him saying, "Why you gotta do me like that?" You know, I feel bad. I really do like Miles, but in that case, business is business, and they just happen to all three of them hit. You know? Yeah. It's uh, it's what you get for catching so well. You did that to yourself. Yeah. Um. So I remember I said uh, something. Something asked prompted me to ask you about like your pre-tourney ritual, and that was actually uh, Crystal Brown is kind of scrolling down here. Uh, she did ask like, "What's your favorite jam uh, pre, during, and post?" But kind of want to focus on the post because you kind of covered everything before that. Do you have like a post-tourney ritual and and song? Uh, ritual would definitely be ibuprofen and napping, but <laughs> um, and food, lots of food. But I would definitely say, like, I just want some, like, chill, mellow vibe music to listen to. Like, lately, uh, a lot of my, like, post-gym cooldowns have been, like, Sunflower by Post Malone or stuff like that. Um, and other than that, it's just basically how, where can I get my hands on a big thing of food? Okay. Tacos or just anything at that point? Just calories? Burritos. Burritos. Nice. Oh yeah, a burrito with extra queso and some guac. Oh, yeah. speaking my language. You lost me at guac. I can't. I can't do it. Oh no, I love guac. Yeah, a lot of people seem to, but uh, differences. I did. Um, I almost overlooked this one actually. Um, kind of going back to you know talking about Alan and and um, getting more women in the north so miles did also ask um do you have any advice or things that um we can change to recruit more women in the north region so i think he means we as in um his organization or where he belongs or just you guys in general yeah i i would assume in this point he means in general since it is basically me page cat if cat can get off work and sam uh sacaracia um you just have to find like you really have to recruit athletic girls. Like in the North with how intense and crazy it gets, you're not gonna get a girl that just did like 
one sport JV was kind of just there. Like you need a girl that has a very strong competitive drive and somebody that is willing to, you know, get beat up a little bit while they learn it or for your team to be patient, which more so than not, it is definitely the prior of the two that I just said. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious, like, where do, where do you find pages, cats and Rebecca's like, where do you guys go? And just, put flyers all over those places <laughs> i couldn't tell you where we came from man i barely even know where i came from <laughs> i just kind of showed up and was like this is fun it's gonna be like a science project just be like okay i'm gonna just kind of shadow page for a while yeah like walk me through your page yeah walk me through your college days where did you go where'd you frequent what do you watch what are your interests and then just try to like how much protein did you eat daily yeah, just, just anything that kind of reverse engineer what produced you guys and then just kind of advertise that, that fits that. But um, I think that's a good point because the North is like, you guys are t- just tough. Um, it's not something, like you said, you can kind of just walk into and, you know, expect to not take a beating. You have to be one of those people that's willing to take the beating, find out how you can take less beatings, and then, you know, get better. I'll say that much about you guys. Um, like I said, you're all a bunch yep. of psychos up there, so cold you know, or what it is but um not denying yep. yeah when it's cold for nine months out of the year you gotta have something to feel so you <laughs> might as well just get hit with a pinch ball every once in a yeah, while blood's going through my veins i feel alive again <laughs> <laughs> and then you walk out and it's negative 20 and you're good yep that must be it that's a secret um well i guess it, and this is a good caveat maybe and that's well actually no i take the back um overread it um tyler asks why haven't you done what uh, what a lot of other women in the u.s have done and that's joined a women's team in the west region and if you could choose what women's team would you want to join in the elite west region so a bit of an assumption there but is there any reason why you've stuck with the north and haven't hopped on to a west team so fun fact i actually am free agenting oh look at that for the west <clears throat> so you need somebody holla at your girl um shameless self-plug there but yeah no I I've been wanting to get out to the west it's just obviously expensive and with having NCDA elite up here a job and still being in school it's hard to get the time off until summer so like round one is almost always a no-go right and by that time people have their teams established that they don't want to hear you can't go to round one um but yeah, no, I'm hopeful for round two. If anything, definite for round three in nationals. 100% going to be there for round three, nice. whether I play or not. <laughs> well, shameless side plug for uh, Beast Coast Chronicles. Um, Colin's free agent registry or free agent uh, database, I think, is probably a good place to, to look into. Yep, I am place. on that, too. Oh. I have not looked at their teams yet for what needs free agents, but I am on their free agent player thing. Awesome. Well, that'd be cool. I'll, I'll actually be at round three, so hopefully I'll see you there oh, and nice. see what you bring. Um, let's see. Okay, so Lucas asked, which players have influenced your style of play? And let's see... Yeah, so he kind of had like another three parts. So uh, are there any players that that have influenced your style of play? 
just in general? Um, I mean, Can my I teammates. Paige earlier. Yeah, Paige definitely gave me that influence to want to be, you know, a more aggressive female force on the court. But as far as like the player and the play style I have today, 100% my teammates. Um, like I said with Kevin, how, you know, when I decided, I really sat down and decided I wanted to try and get good at dodgeball, that I would go to the gym with him and, you know, tell him, okay, throw as hard as you can at me. Like I'd walk out with bruises all the time. And I tell my teammates, I'd pull aside, like, back when I was, you know, like a sophomore, I'd pull aside our captains at the time, like, you know, obviously I know I'm not the best by far, and I know that you guys throw really hard, throw at me as hard as you can, like, I want to get better at this, like, I don't care, pick on me, bully me, like, make me look like a fool, just play me like you would play, you know, the league MVP, the league MVP, and... It, you know, started working. I got better. I could track the ball better. I could catch better. I got better with my throws and my accuracy. Um, yeah, I give it to my teammates, man. Nice. I would almost say that kind of answers his third question. That was any advice for new players looking to level up in a sport that is getting tougher all the time? Um, Don't give up. Yeah. Like you, you know, fall down seven, get up eight, or whatever it is. Like, no matter how many, you're always going to get bruised. You're always going to have, you, there's always going to be another bad face shot moment or bad hit moment or a bad drop catch moment. There's always going to be another one of those. Right. You're never going to get to the point that you don't make mistakes. The greatest athletes in the world still make mistakes. Like, it's, there's always going to be room for improvement. Yeah, if I can sum that up in one word, it'd be resiliency. Just, uh, again, just, just trying to fast forward the evolution of dodgeball from 2004 to now. There was a time when, okay, I played baseball in high school. I'm going to round up five of my frat bros, and we're going to go dominate these kids. And that that's just not the case anymore at all. Like, you have to, it's not even the case to be athletic and play dodgeball and do well. Like, you have to understand that if you're going to compete, on an elite or potentially even the NCDA level, you might get humbled. There's a good chance you're going to get humbled. Yep. You just have to be willing to get up and, and not stop and maybe even go as drastic as saying, hey, guys, throw balls at me all day long. I'm going to get some bruises and, and put my time in. Um, Who would have thought hard work and dedication actually is what makes a good dodgeball player nowadays, Who would have right? thought it? <laughs> Who would have thought? It doesn't get you anywhere else. Yeah. Gone are the days where, you know, a beer belly and a strong arm would get you far. It it won't anymore, at least not in this environment. Rec leagues, sure, but not where we play anymore. Um, Rec leagues, I think they call that the alphas. <laughs> the alphas? <laughs> what are those? No, I'm just like, you know, like alpha male, beta males. Oh, where yeah, it's right. like, <laughs> you got a beer belly and you're just messing around the whole time. That's the alpha of the beer league. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not enough these days. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta try harder. Um, oh, yeah. Might know the answer to this one already, but what would your dream dodgeball tournament be? World Cup, but pinch. <laughs> World Cup, um, like U.S. U.S. dodgeball World yeah, Cup. Yeah, like U. Yeah, like U.S. dodgeball World Cup, but pinch. Why U.S. dodgeball format? 
just the idea of playing pinch on like a world stage like that against oh, okay. other countries and everything, you know, it just that just seems like it has it holds so much more to me. That would be fun to watch just to see the U.S. beat the crap out of every other country out there because I don't think any other countries pinch right now. <laughs> It'd just be me versus no other girls on the court <laughs> if they would win. Well, me and Paige. Yeah, I just, uh, I just envisioned that scene from Troy where uh, Achilles is like, is there no one else? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'd pay, I'd pay good money to watch that. Oh, man. <laughs> Thanks, Lucas. That'll be a good fantasy, I guess. Um, just, just <laughs> mopping the floor with people. <laughs> uh, maybe one day. I'm, you, you could hope. Um, let's go ahead and ask... I think there might be some overlaps with this one, but I'll go ahead and, and read it out. Bill Fisher, he asks, uh, what differences are there when preparing individually and as a team for NCA as opposed to Elite? Um, kind of did cover you that did a little bit. That one. Yeah, um, it's just the same thing. It's like different mentality, different game style plays that you have to hype yourself up for, but I still do pretty much the same thing every time. I still go back and watch film, and I watch my good moments followed by my bad moments to not inflate my head too much. Right. And then just figure out what I went wrong, what could get better. And no matter how much I don't want to watch it, I'll watch the films where like I just look completely out of place on the court. Yeah, I, I think um I think a lot of that can, you can just talk up to your veteran status. Like you've you've done it before and so you know what what going from elite to NCDA and back and forth already feels like. I think it's really cool that you watch highlight videos of you, of you doing something really cool, but then you watch like how that fell apart. Like that's that's new. I've never heard that before, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I don't. You know, like you don't want to. <clears throat> you can watch the good things all the time. Like the, you know, it's what you do with those moments that fall apart or the bad moments afterward. Yeah. That really make you learn from the sport, and I can inflate my head all day if I want. Like going back and just rewatching highlight film, but. I'm never going to learn or humble myself if I don't watch the bad things too. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a great way to look at it. I'm going to steal that from you. Go right ahead, man. Consider it done. Um, yeah, because it just tells so much. Like, okay, here, caught, caught through, through, overextended myself or didn't give myself enough time to run back. Let's fix that next time. That, that's, that's pretty profound, so... That's a really good nugget to take away. Um, we almost danced over this one. Um, I don't know if, you, if there's something you want to revisit, but it, was there a specific moment when you knew you were just hooked on dodgeball? Like he talked about that foam charity tournament, but was there something like maybe just something flying past your face or being able to hit people? Like just when you just knew, like, I want to do this more for dodgeball? You know, this is, this is going to sound really dumb. But there's just, for some reason, this moment that's always stuck out in my head from my very first Nationals freshman year, um, which was the first roster I ever made for NCDA, and it was the National roster. I was like, oh, my God, like, NBD, guys. <laughs> um, and we were playing Kentucky, and I had had a ball, and I was running up past to run down this one guy. And as I'm running up, this Kentucky mom on the side. I have no idea whose mom it is. Never saw her again. But 
she just says as I'm running past, this girl's really good. Like she looks like she belongs out there. Nice. And that just stuck in us. And I was like, you know what? I am going to be really good. I'll just make myself good. That's awesome. It's like, oh, since you said it, might as well do it. That's pretty cool. Um, do you think you have a biggest accomplishment at this time? Another one of Bill's questions. Um, honestly, biggest accomplishment personally, and it might not seem like a lot for some other people, but being the first like female captain role of the Michigan State team, like getting assistant captain last year, um, just really gave me validation, you know, that I, everything I'd been trying really hard for was ended up being like for good reason and the fact that i can now say you know like first ever was like this is pretty cool you know definitely yeah he also asked um what's your next goal you have for yourself and this kind of bleeds into uh the andrew ketchum question still one of my favorites and that is um you know been playing for a while but what do you want to achieve in dodgeball and what keeps pushing you to play and get better there's always somebody better than you in something. That's the one thing that like really pushes me. Like I can be, you know, one of the hardest eight, one of the hardest eight point five throwers for women, but I might not catch as well as somebody else, or I might not be as accurate as somebody else. Um, and then at the same time, too, I'm very driven by the fact that I know like. 90% of the guys that play are better than me to the point that I'm like, well, that's not good enough. I need to be better than like all the guys. Like, yeah, I might not throw as hard, but if I'm the most accurate person out there on the court, like there's nothing they can do about it, you know? Right. Um, but my, what I want to see in my dodgeball career and it's a small goal and it's something trivial, but it's just getting like a name invited to the USA combine. I don't even care if I make it the first time it's just a matter of like knowing that like scout saw you and you're like yeah you're good enough to come out and try out like i'm very big on validation and for me that would be huge it's kind of cool that we actually have something to help i guess justify that validation like you know before the combine it was like well i think i'm as good as i can be maybe but then now that there's like an actual you know, outside entities scouting people, watching you from like a completely objective um, point of view, frame of mind, and that they give you that invite. It's like, oh wow, like this, this is huge. Yeah, um, I will say too the other thing. You know, <clears throat> huge thing for us this year, and this is more of a team goal, not so much personal. Hundred percent want to win at round one this weekend. Like we have a great team. We look really good. And it's like, you know, right now it's ours to lose with everything that's setting up. We ended the, we ended the year last year giving Grand, uh, Grand Rapids their first ever round-robin loss um, before when we played them in Elims. Uh, Kevin dislocated his finger as the last in, and it ended the match. Um, but we ended, we ended looking really good, and we've added nothing but talent for this part so I'm excited to see what we do with this 
yeah, we're young, so we might have some problems dealing with that, but it's going to be good. Nice. Well, good luck to you on that and look forward to either seeing it on the streams or, or recapping about um, recapping it next week. Alrighty. So um, the next two questions, um, especially since this is um, towards the end of March, so there's still a lot to look forward to in 2019, but is, is there anything specifically that you're looking forward to this year? Um, hopefully a couple regional wins and then a good run at nationals. I'm just looking forward to working with this team. I love each and every one of these guys. I'm so excited to be playing with them. Nice. Very cool. And um, last question is, uh, what is your favorite dodgeball memory to date? All right. First, very first thing that comes to mind without a doubt, my favorite memory. So sorry to Wes Peters, but it was Boston Nationals and we were on that throw together pinch team called Lit and we were playing Kraken in eliminations and they were up one nothing. it was me and Michael White versus Wes and I start walking up to pinch him in a little bit to force him back to make a long throw and I just hear Kevin right behind me on the sidelines you know he's going to no-look throw you. You know he's going to no-look throw you. I was like, I know, I know, I know. Shut up. And as soon as I said that, he no-look throws me, and I drop catch, but I bobble it, so I had to, like, slide forward again and grab it and uh, force us to go to the 1-1 tie. And for some reason, it's just, like, my favorite memory. Nice. So everything played out the way you expected, with the exception of... It did. I actually got a couple cheers. I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel so special. <laughs> nice. <laughs> And this is, uh, was this Kevin Bailey yelling at you? No, Kevin, my boyfriend, Kevin Nguyen. Oh, gotcha. Uh, okay. The captain of Final Justice. He's like, I know, I know. Shaw, she's going to not do it if you keep saying it out loud. <laughs> I know, like, don't say it anymore. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. Is that on film by any chance somewhere, or do you know? Oh, it is. Um, oh, perfect. Vegum had clipped it from his um, streaming for, what is it, Mad Media? Okay. Uh, and he posted it with the title of Oh Baby What a Catch and I was just that's like one of the things I love to watch nice is that one of those things where you'll play if you're trying to get into that mindset again yeah just because it was 100% reading the play right and doing the right thing Yeah, it's amazing that it happens like everything goes the way you planned and you execute it and you're like yes that's exactly by design totally baited this person yep. totally caught it everything went the way it was supposed to I love that feeling um, well, very cool. Well, I think that's all I have, and um, I think it's pretty good because we're probably nearing the two-hour mark. But um, yeah, as I was saying earlier, it's um, it's been great getting to know you more through the recaps. Um, you've been super helpful and helped me understand the North a little bit more, and I think bringing more of the North to other regions. Um, I do get a lot of good kudos because of that, so I definitely appreciate you and the time that you spend helping me put together panels, answering the questions. I'm very excited about um, recapping with you um, after round one. And then also good luck once again. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for being awesome. And uh, I hope people enjoy this. Thank you for the interview. And I always appreciate and love, you know, uh, talking with you. I'm super excited for the recap then. Awesome. Very cool. Alrighty, so that was the interview with Rebecca. And Rebecca, thank you so much for providing your time this evening, giving us a chance to get to know you more. 
And also, once again, thank you so much for helping me recap the North Region events uh, all of last year. I'm definitely looking forward to doing some more this year as well. Um, for everyone that submitted questions, thank you so much. Whether it was the Team Taco, Team Pizza question, which I think is going to be a staple from now on, to the truly thought-provoking ones uh, from Alan Thomas. And as an example, I really love being able to go across the spectrum and just welcome it more and more. Uh, Best of luck to those of you that may be listening that are en route to uh, North Round 1. Um, good luck and um, no injuries. Be safe. And uh, for everybody else, um, thank you for tuning in. And as always, have a great rest of your evening, a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. freaking roasting alive in this booth. It is freaking hot as crap and I just want to get the freak out of here.